Hello, pediatric surgery family. I'm Emton Bash, a research fellow from Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. And today, our team is going to deliver the articles that you should know about. We have four papers today. First three of them are from the Journal of Pediatric Surgery. And the last one is an APSA article of interest from JAMA Pediatrics. We don't have much time, so let's start. Our first paper, titled as Puberty and Growth in Patients with Pediatric Intestinal Failure by Kulbreth et al. And this paper is summarized by Ellen Ansisko. She's a research fellow at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. In this study, researchers did a retrospective review of patients over the age of 8 with pediatric intestinal failure. They wanted to see if intestinal failure affected their pubertal growth and development. They hypothesized that intestinal failure patients would have decreased pubertal growth and delayed onset of puberty compared to the normal population. They found that compared to the CDC 50th percentile, females had a similar peak height velocity and males had a significantly higher peak height velocity. And they found that the age for peak height velocity was significantly younger for both males and females. So this is different than what they hypothesized. There is still a high incidence of short stature in these patients, so optimizing nutrition and growth is still important. Our second paper is ultrasound-guided percutaneous insertion of Broviac lines in infants less than 5 kilograms. Prospective study of 100 consecutive procedures by Reddy et al. This paper is summarized by Brittany Levy. She's a research fellow at Cincinnati Children's Hospital as well. So as a review, there are three techniques to place a Broviac line. One is open surgical cutdown. The second is percutaneous based on landmarks. And the third is percutaneous with ultrasound guidance. Now each of these options have their pros and cons, but the ultrasound guided technique has gained popularity and it's now the technique of choice in the UK. However, it can be technically difficult in small babies, and so the open cutdown technique is still used in little ones. In this study, the authors explored the outcomes for 100 consecutive babies less than 5 kilograms who underwent Broviac line placement using ultrasound guidance. In 94 cases, catheter insertion was uncomplicated, and in all 100 cases, the catheter was successfully placed at the time of procedure. There were no complications in any patient, such as displacement, pneumothorax, hemothorax, or cardiac complications up to 28 days post-placement. So what's the point? Percutaneous Broviac placement with ultrasound guidance is safe and possible in small infants less than 5 kilograms, and they might not require an open cutdown technique. What are you doing at your center for small neonates? Leave it in the comments below. You heard Brittany. We're waiting to hear from you about your experience. Let's keep moving. Third paper is whether prophylactic intraoperative chest drain insertion in oesophageal atresia, tracheoesophageal fistula is an evidence-based practice or just a prejudice. A systematic review and meta-analysis by Anand et al. This paper is summarized by Cecilia Hihena. She is also a research fellow at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. This is a systematic review plus meta-analysis done by pediatric surgeons in India. After the review, they ended up selecting six papers with a total of 498 neonates. They divided them into groups, group A with chest strain and group B without chest strain, and they compared their outcomes. They found that there were no significant difference in the occurrence of an anastomotic leak or a pneumothorax. There were also no significant difference in the mortality rate or the requirements of the new chest strain. Also, they found that group A had a higher rate of free visits to the OR. 
So it seems like the trust drawing is not as good as we thought. Great! Our last paper is an APSA article of interest from JAMA Pediatrics. Evaluation of Emergency Department Pediatric Readiness and Outcomes Among U.S. Trauma Centers. Bart Newgard et al. This one is summarized by Dr. Todd Ponsky. He's a pediatric surgeon at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Back in like 2006, there was a study published that showed great disparities in how children were treated in emergency departments after trauma around the country. So this big initiative was started called the National Pediatric Readiness Project, trying to improve the readiness for pediatric trauma in emergency departments across the country. So this study wanted to see, was it effective? They found that in hospitals that were highly ranked as ready for pediatric trauma, there was a 42% improvement in mortality. So they had a much less chance of dying at a hospital that was ready for pediatric trauma thus suggesting the fact that we need to do more of this and improve the readiness in pediatric trauma in all the emergency departments across the country. Check the link in the description below to read each paper. We hope you liked this episode. Please follow us on social media, give us a rating, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to download our Stay Current app on App Store or Play Store for more content. Thank you for listening.